I think my subconscious may be racist. Of course, I dreamed last night without end. Of course, the dreams were Dali-esque with shapes melting into shapes. The hues were much dimmer, though, as my drunken stupor tended to wash out the colors of my nocturnal emanations. The sounds were the sounds of a record set to a lower speed, the text still understandable but spoken as through an old-timey megaphone from a distance. The images, too, seemed to have some far-off quality, like a drive-in movie observed from a back seat somewhere by some third-wheel chaperone brother intent on seeing the movie, even above the smooching sounds, constant interruptions, and any number of gropings coming from the front seat, all of which mother had better not hear about for threat of a pounding. Nonetheless, the Jack Daniels did provide some kind of comfort. The images seemed too far off to be of real harm. And of course the movie was some surrealistic version of Gone with the Wind. I roll. In this version, Rhett Butler was a court jester, never landing his jokes, eliciting groans from his royal court, said court headed by Vivian Lee, an unforgiving queen, her costumes and demeanor like the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. There were no off-with-their-heads, but those if-looks-could-kill side-eyes from her certainly had us wondering if some guillotine action was coming by the orchestral interlude. My version of the epic had all of the things that were missing from the original. Dance numbers, an occasional ballad, a heartfelt love song, and of course, a show-stopping finish. It's the finish that had me concerned about the intentions of my overly inventive other side last night. I personally, even watching it roll out before me, found parts of the finale a bit garish and gratuitous. One particular scene, though, which began with a spry Hattie McDaniel, Mammy, doing a sort of decent enough liturgical dance, swiped a bottle from a nearby table and soon enough we had crossed some kind of barrier where Mammy from Gone with the Wind was doing a Fred Astaire kind of duet with a maple syrup bottle that, you guessed it, became a strange Aunt Jemima duet. I think my subconscious was delighted at the prepubescent me in the back of an over-the-top revving sports car as he let his jaw drop at the thought. For no sooner had the duet taken on this grotesque proportion as Al Jolson himself was serenading them all with an ode to Mammy. As though this wasn't all worrisome enough, the nature of the spectacle, somewhat obscured as viewed from underwater, had a feel not unlike some carnival sideshow. Was this the other side's way of getting back at me by taking away its means to continue its calculations and speculations about those TV scenes from yesterday? You want to play, huh? Fine. 
Let's play then, you little bleep. Tampering with the holy grail of film epics. Perfect in its entirety certainly had symbolic significance in my mind. And no surprise here, my own mind knew it. So it warped it beyond absolute recognition as a way of giving me the middle finger. And this morning, with those images still swimming around in my head, waiting desperately for 7 a.m. to come, I must tip my hat to the other side, not just for its creativity, but alas, also for a job well done. It wanted to trouble me, to scare me just a little. It wanted to set up some boundaries to slap my hand this time, telling me flat out to leave it alone with its work. Yeah, message received. And by the way, bravo. Except for that mammy stuff. That was truly disconcerting.